You're listening to The Female Entrepreneur's Journey, The Good, The Bad, and The Branding with Danielle Clem, the weekly podcast created for fellow entrepreneurs, whether just starting out, established in your business, or simply testing out the waters. We're here to put the real back in entrepreneurial reality. Each episode guides you through the different paths walked and lessons learned by fellow bosses, how they got through it, and tips that got them there sprinkled in with a little business branding and a whole lot of heart. One question is, are you ready to dive in? Here's your host, designer, marketer, and frequent iced coffee drinker, Danielle Clem. Hey guys, today we have on Jill Celeste, who is the author of the best-selling book, That First Client, and founder of the Celestial Circle, who teaches authentic marketing practices for purpose-driven entrepreneurs and help them believe in themselves and their dreams. So welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'm excited for you to be here and learn a little bit more about you and for all of our listeners to hear as well. Awesome. Let's get to it. Yes. So I would love to begin this show um, kind of with the beginning of your journey and then end with your present and future. So I would love to hear a little bit more about how you grew up to kind of what led you to wanting to go down this path. So, you know, I I never thought when I went to college or as a teenager that I would ever, ever be an entrepreneur. That just sounded like the scariest thing ever. Even though I came from a family of entrepreneurs, I never envisioned that I myself would be one. But I got got in a situation back in 2010 where um, certain members of my family were being diagnosed with some uh, really chronic conditions. My father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's my mom with Parkinson's and my son was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And I was missing a lot of work, you know, to get them all to their appointments and back and forth to the various uh, medical commitments that we had. And I started thinking, you know, I really need some more flexibility in my schedule. And I'll never forget, I was, uh, at the time I was a social media manager for a large healthcare organization. And I was paying an invoice to a social media agency. And it was, you know, it was a rather large invoice. And I was looking at it and I thought, you know what? I could do this. I could do this. And so I started uh, my very first business back in 2010. It was called Hound Dog Social Media. And um, I worked very hard at building my clients. And within four months, I was able to quit my corporate job, which I was just so excited. And I've never looked back (laughs) from that. And then a couple years later, um, I evolved again, and I decided that I really wasn't uniquely brilliant at the implementation of marketing, but I was really, really brilliant at teaching marketing. And so that's when I became a marketing coach, and that has evolved into many different programs and many different things, Um, but that's where I stand right now, and I love it. I love that, especially since you you took what you already knew or you knew that there was something inside of you that kind of could change with it. And one of the best things about your story, which I think is fantastic, is that you didn't allow the change to kind of rule you. You allowed it to see, okay, this is a, a, a flag in the road to see that I need to kind of shift and alter things, but it's not the end all be all. And I want to commend you also for being able to fluidly shift through the marketing aspects. Like you said before, you learned what felt right to you and what you thought was your uh, zone of genius and capitalized on that. Yeah. And it's important to recognize when something is not in your zone of genius. I think a lot of times entrepreneurs are perfectionists and we like to think we're good at everything. And uh, I, 
I was okay at it. I mean, I wasn't the worst at implementing social media, but I, when I was teaching consulting, I mean, I, it just, it was just new. I would do it for free and that's when I knew it was the right thing to do. Yeah. I love that. I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs, whether they're new or old, have that lesson they kind of have to learn for themselves is that <laughs> although we, you know, for the most part have to wear a thousand hats or a hundred hats starting out, we, ha- the thing is, we're not supposed to stay like that forever. And there's a reason for it because we're kind of all made differently. So I love that you mentioned that and you see what works right for you and to kind of go from there. Yeah. You know, and it, it's always evolving and you I'll be curious to know what five years, what that'll evolve into again. <laughs> you just yes, never know. You really don't. And I like to know too, then when you first made that transition into kind of owning your own business and becoming an entrepreneur, uh, how was it with your friends and family? How did they uh, come into that? Well, I think everybody secretly thought I was crazy. Uh, <laughs> why would you leave the security of a job with a very large employer with benefits and and insurance, and um, it was steady paycheck. Why would you do that? Um, but you know, I was really, uh, especially at that phase of my corporate career, I was unhappy. And especially those who were really close to me knew that I was unhappy. I didn't like the bureaucracy and the red tape and all of that. Uh, so you know, they were supportive, but I believe you know they didn't say it to my face, but I believe it. They they, they all thought I was really really crazy. Um, my friends thought I was incredibly brave. I got a lot of that. You are so brave. <laughs> Uh, what's nice is now, and I still have many of those friends still in my connections, but I've made friends with entrepreneurs who don't think I'm crazy anymore <laughs> and uh, help me support me in all my crazy ideas. So it just sort of shifts with with time. Yeah, I love that. I think that's one of the interesting parts, too, is when you first move into it, the reactions that you get from your friends and family are usually ones of kind of that same <laughs> that same notion of, Oh, okay. That that's great for you. You know, good luck with that. Or yeah. the so brave, or well, you know, whatever their phrase uh, t- tends to be at that point. Yeah, and I think a lot of them are thinking, "Man, uh, I would I would be able to do that." And a lot of times, mm-hmm. I get that a lot with my my coaching the students that I coach because I coach quite a few people who are trying to get out of their corporate job into full time businesses, mm-hmm. and and that's a lot of the um, the mindset is that this is so risky and this is so brave, and it is to an extent. But I think if you were meant to be an entrepreneur, you're just going to end up doing it anyway. Yeah, that actually brings a really great segue for when you started out. Was there any mindset beliefs that you had about yourself or any limiting beliefs that kind of came up when you first started? Oh, I couldn't even make a list. There were so (laughs) many. I had, and I'm of course still working on all of this, Mm -hmm. but first thing I had to rectify is I had to love money. Um, you know, we, we always had that expression growing up that people who are rich are mean and greedy and money is the root of all evil and all those things that we heard. A lot of us heard generationally. And I had to really, um, own the fact that I'm in business to earn money. And so that was a huge limiting belief that uh, I had to release. And one of the ways I did that, if it's okay to share, is, um, I don't even know where I found this somewhere out there in the world. There's a website and maybe one of your listeners uh, will know about it and can tell us which it is because I don't remember, but out there, there's a website that encourages you to take 30, uh, $1 bills. So what, you know, in the U S just single bills and every day, in, in a 30-day period, leave $1 bill somewhere. So tuck mm-hmm. it behind the Band-Aids at Target, put it at the bus stop, put it, you know, at, by the, the dog be- the dog bench at the park, you know, and just drop these dollar bills and just imagine that the right person is going to find that dollar. 
And that was such a fun activity. And it was during a time it was hard to spur $30. You know, that was, it was a little bit of a stretch for me. Uh, but that really helped bash through some of the limiting beliefs about money and energy and the, the flow of money going and coming back to you. Yeah, I love that. I actually remember thinking, um, I think I've seen that exercise in the You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Um, that book also mentioned the same thing of kind of going through uh, once a day for each day, no matter if it's as small as a nickel or as, you know, as much as $10 or however much it is to give something each day to feel how it is to let go of money so that it can come back to you. Uh, yes. And I think that's that is one of my favorite books, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love her. I think a lot of us, I, there's a reason why there's such a huge following, I think, for her as well, because not only is she relatable, but also all those exercises are very tangible. Like we can actually yeah. do them to this day. And I found that when it comes to like money or limiting beliefs, a lot of the times people can go through uh, exercises that are a little more like visualizing rather than like actual real life trying to do certain parts of that to reshape things because you can go through breaking limiting beliefs through writing, but to really instill it takes time and practice and doing yes. different things. Yeah. And you know, and I was a follower too of uh, Esther Hicks, Abraham mm -hmm. Hicks and, um, so many of her books uh, have those exercises in the back that are, so, like you said, are those tangible, you know, write a check out to yourself, yeah. um, leave $500 in your wallet at all times, like all those sort of abundance act, act, um, exercises, and they are critical to yeah. breaking those limiting beliefs. Yeah, they really are. And the great thing about the... The money exercises, it doesn't matter where you came from, you can still do them because yeah. what I find with money is that it's definitely something that people don't uh, talk about often, like even in the book as well, you know, something that people just don't share about often and since um, depending on your background, it can always kind of change with how you think about it or how you grew up with it and yeah. the great thing is too with that is we all know about this topic. It's nothing that that's new for us, <laughs> right. but it's something that we're kind of having to reintroduce to ourselves because yeah. we're so used to the, the take mentality or, or the, the stream where it's just not coming through in that respect. We're kind of having to become friends with it again and kind of learn what that is. We have to love money, right? And yeah. that's, that's why we're in business for ourselves. We want to make money through our own gifts. And uh, that is, as a marketing coach, uh, that's one of the things I teach because it is so essential. You, there's no point in marketing if you're not going to want to make money. <laughs> and oh, it yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I think it's great, too, is that you also understand that for marketing, there are some um, mindset parts that come into it, too. I think with any business, really, the mindset is so huge, even for what I teach, which is a lot of like business strategy and tech strategy. I have to usually address their mindset first because it's not going to do much to implement all of these things or to do all of the, uh, the fun stuff if you haven't worked on the mental part first. It's so true. I, I probably, if I spend an hour with a, a client, I bet you 20 minutes maybe is tactical marketing mm -hmm. advice. The rest of it is mindset, getting them to believe it can be done, beating their resistance, busting through their excuses, all imperfect action, all those things that I work on. I totally agree with you. A thousand percent. <laughs> I, I noticed that even with my clients as well as that. At first, I thought, okay, all of these hours or whatever we do is going to be really tactical, really strategy, really implementing, you know, that really, you know, fiery sense of it. And I realized when I would go into the calls, I maybe had like the last 15 minutes that could actually be that because most people come into the, you know, the call with that week's beliefs or opinions or thoughts, yeah. you know, it's not going to be just a fresh start and be like, okay, let's hit this hard.
Yeah. yeah, And one of the things that, because the ego always comes into play. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to your listeners, if this sounds familiar, you're not alone. (laughs) We all go through this, right? But one of the things, I'm always battling what I call the ego and my my expressions I say is your ego is a horrible marketing coach. Please (laughs) stop listening to your ego because you will never grow. And that's a lot of the mindset work that I have to do too as a marketing coach. Yeah, I find that when it comes to the mindset, and I love that part too is the ego because I noticed for a lot of my clients, or even when I first started out as well, is this topic of comparison or taking too many people's advice, especially yes. in the business space. I think that what happens is a lot of us, we we look, we, you know, we search for the advice, we search for things that we need, but sometimes we get too much and we don't know which way to go. Exactly. That analysis paralysis, right? Oh, Yeah. And I think it would be great, too, to talk about, because I think this is so important for any entrepreneur, but especially for those who are in their uh, first year or two of business, is your book that's called That First Client. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, that First Client is a result of a challenge I received in a mastermind that I belong to where our mentor challenged us to write a book in 90 days. Mm. And uh, at first I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this because I wanted to write like the the New York Times bestselling yeah. book. Right. <laughs> um, and then in the middle of all that, my father passed away. I mentioned earlier he had Alzheimer's. Well, eventually Alzheimer's reeled its ugly head and he passed away. And I had started the book and, and then he passed. And I thought, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then I started thinking about what my dad would want me to do. And I knew he would want me to finish it. So in one weekend, I banged out this book. Now, it's only about 66 pages. So don't, don't be – I mean, it's a lot of pages, but it's not certainly not War and Peace. Um, and I worked very hard on it. And what I love about this book is it's intended for entrepreneurs to, who are just starting out, who need to get those first set of clients. But mm-hmm. all of the tactics in this book – are really about getting any client, your next client, your 17th client, or 700th client, because they're just timeless sort of client attraction uh, techniques. And if you, and, and the book itself is actually more like a workbook. Yeah. So, because so many times we get books and there's like exercises, and then we have to kind of pull out a journal, or we have to remember to write it down, or have our computers nearby. And I didn't want that. So there are actually are spaces in the book for you to do the work. Uh, so that you are working and implementing while you're reading. And I just felt like that would increase success uh, for the reader. So it is a book about how to get clients, uh, your first or maybe your hundredth, whatever, the, wherever you are in your journey. But it's really nuts and bolts, uh, sort of those timeless, priceless marketing techniques. Yeah, I love that because even as of last night, I got a, a direct message from someone on Instagram asking that same thing. How do I get clients? How do I build client relationships? You know, it's one of those things that I'll, every single business owner needs. And yes. I think we can all go through it in a different way, which is why I love the idea of having a workbook rather than feeling like these are the steps you have to take always. And this will get you a client when in reality, um, what I teach at least or what I coach with is that there are going to be different tactics that work best for you. There are going to be different strategies that work best for you because you're you. Like, for example, I love podcasting. I love doing this with you (laughs) and talking. Uh, Some people might not. And kind of learning that space of seeing what feels right to you and going forward and really honing in on what that is. Yeah, and I think you probably agree with me. A lot of of times we just need permission, Mm -hmm. right? Like you, you gave yourself permission to be the a podcaster and just really own this space and share these conversations with your tribe. And, you know, for me, it's often, I do a lot of video. I just, you know, own the video space for my, for my tribe. And I gave myself permission, no matter if I makeup on that day yep. or a t-shirt or, you know, maybe it's uh, not so great lighting. I still do videos 
And, um, and it's really about giving yourself permission to be, to know what you're creatively good at and, and, and use those in marketing. And I, and the book, um, touches on a lot of different, um, tactics, so to speak. But what I think you're right. What most people find is like they get really good at one and that's what they, that's what works for them. And I always say, good, turn up the volume, do more of it mm -hmm. because you're just going to get more clients that way. Yes. I love that. And I think what's really great about that too, is that there, there shouldn't be outside of mindset because that's a huge part of basically all of this. But when it comes to like podcasting or even video, I notice a lot of people, like you said, have that problem where they feel like they have to have everything right before they can start. Right. And it's actually the exact opposite because mm -hmm. even for myself, when I first was trying to get into this podcasting space, I remember thinking, oh, I don't know how to podcast, so I can't start one. And when you can literally Google how to start a podcast, and there's a step-by-step <laughs> -step article on it. And yeah. it's one of those things that we get so much in our head about it that we kind of forget that, you know, there are people who are doing it who learned it probably the day ago, a day ago or two days ago. You, you, exactly. You know, and I, I love that aspect is that it doesn't have to be perfect. It's not supposed to be perfect because I think it was, um, oh my goodness, let me think, Oprah Castillo of Life, uh, Life Coach School. She mm -hmm. mentioned it's actually better to do B minus or B plus work than trying to do A work because it doesn't matter as long as you have it out there, as long as you're continue, continuously putting out work and you're continuously putting out videos or podcasting, whatever works for you, that'll get you clients because you're not in your head about it. You're not trying to articulate, okay, what's the best way to say this or what's the best way to make this video even better when if you just speak from what you know and speak from what you can actually help people with, no matter how it looks on the outside, it's going to be a lot more beneficial. I agree. And, you know, nothing makes you feel more authentic or come across as more authentic than a B plus video, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Or a yep. B plus podcast, whatever, whatever it is, because people are very distrustful of slick, yep. right? Like, so if something looks slick, the, the warning signs, the flags go up. And so there's something very cool. And even like the top notch mentors out there, like Gary V and Brendan Bouchard and Marie Forleo, like the ones that we all kind of look up to up the ladder. Mm -hmm. Some of their videos are C's, yep. <laughs> you know, but they do it anyway. And it's because no one likes slick. And so remember that whenever you're doing, whether it's video, blogs, whatever, it makes you feel, it makes you uh, come across as super authentic. And that's what people are want to connect with. Yeah. I noticed that even with I think there's an article a while ago showing that we are, as consumers, shown, I think, over like 3,000 ad materials about a day or I think mm. that's a week, something like that. And it shows you because now our brains are getting so used to that. We want, we crave authenticity. We mm. crave, you know, the other side of that. So when I tell people or when you see me on Instagram, half the time I don't have my makeup on and that's fine yeah. because people, I get more comments about that. I got more comments talking about how I can't seem to wear white clothes without getting stains on it than <laughs> I, I would for an actual post. Yeah, not funny. Yes. I know people. You know, I was on a I, I'm on a weight loss journey. I've released six, sixty five pounds so far, and Congrats. me talking about my weight loss journey is always one of my top topics. And I can always weave a marketing lesson in there. Yeah. But people love that they want to get to know you and they mm -hmm. want to be part of these the, your life in that respect. And I so yeah, God, good for you for talking about your white shirt. <laughs> You know, it's one of those things where I think when I first started out in this space, I kind of came in with that, especially in this new um, 
the slow shift that we're moving into, which is more of an authenticity, more of, you know, trying to use storytelling rather than trying to use heavy statistics or heavy, you know, the facts, because a lot of people buy more with emotion than they do with facts nowadays. Sure. And I love that part of it because if you become really good at telling your story or being just you that people can relate to, but also see you as valuable, you're winning. Like you're, you're doing what you want. Exactly. One of my favorite people to follow on uh, from the business space is Denise Duffield Thomas, lucky mm-hmm. bitch. Mm-hmm. And she just had a baby and she's just in her picture with her baby and her hair's up in a scrunchie and no makeup on. And it's just real, you know, it's just mm-hmm. real. And, and, and I know I appreciate it as a mom and as a entrepreneur, but any woman, I think if you, if you're brave enough to go on camera without you, with your boob out and your makeup <laughs> off, there's nothing more authentic than that, right? I think people just love that. Yes, I 100% agree with that. And I think it's a really great transition, too, to see. Now that we've talked a little bit about kind of uh, what can help them get their first client and marketing, I also want to know, since you work with so many um, other women and entrepreneurs in general, what is the number one or two most common challenges you see a lot of um, your clients have starting out? That they don't. The first thing is they don't want to invest in themselves. This mm-hmm. is particularly prevalent among women married women and women with children. We are innately going to put other people's needs in front of our own. Uh, It's how we're wired and how often we are raised. So they won't invest in the mentor or they won't invest in a piece of software or they won't invest in a nice laptop or whatever, X, Y, Z, you name it. Because, you know, they, they are afraid to use that money um, for themselves. Uh, Even, and I've battled this too. I remember many years ago, I had opportunity to buy a class. I think it was like a $90 class or $99 class. And I thought, oh no, I can't do that because in uh, five or six weeks, I'm going to have to buy cleats for my son. My son plays football. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I better save that money for a six week purchase six weeks in the future. Um, And I didn't buy it. I totally regretted it. It was like, would have been a great class. So that's, that's the first thing is we're afraid to invest in ourselves. And I would just say to anybody out there, especially because it's often a women problem is that you are, you have to own your self-worth and you are worth every penny and you invest in whatever that looks like. And that all people who are successful in business invest in mentors, invest in technology, invest in teams, invest in systems, et cetera. If you want to grow, you got to invest. So that would be the first, like the first thing. The second thing I often see is that we try to do everything so perfectly. We want to make a good impression. We want to go out with our best foot forward. And what happens is we often get nothing done because we're trying to do everything perfectly. So I would embrace an, a mindset of imperfect action. Imperfect action is better than no action. Uh, it, it probably will feel imperfect to you, but to the audience, they probably won't see any of the imperfections that you've just outlined in your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we just have to get our content and our sales pages and whatever out so that we can connect with the people who need our help. So really stop worrying about perfection. Perfection doesn't even exist. You'll never have it perfect. Just take imperfect action and go. Yes. I mean, to both things are so true because I find that even when I first started out, when it came to investing in yourself, I thankfully had the idea that if I want to get this in my business, you know, going fast, I have to invest because it makes no sense to try and hold it out. And I think a lot of people, what happens is they'll see the number of whatever the mentor coaching, whoever it might be, and think that's a lot of money right now, but they forget how much of a 
uh, return on interest or investment right. that might be. Um, right. And I think this is a really great like notion to talk about because what happens a lot of the times is people will pass on things because they don't think about how much it can help them later on or how many clients they can get from this or, you know, they, for, they just look so much at the now, but they can't see that long-term aspect. Right. We always look at the short game, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of looking the long, the long game. And and I think too, there's there's always a scarcity issue. Often it's a money scarcity issue. Yep. They're afraid they won't recoup that investment. Um, they're afraid they won't make money to for the things that are coming down the pike that they know, like football cleats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so there's that abundance issue uh, too, in, in, hand in hand with self worth, and that. And that's a, t- a terrible formula. Unfortunately, that's the way a lot of people go out of business. So um, invest, please make the investments. Yes, I 100% agree. And also when it comes to that and the perfection aspect too, which I used to be when I first started out, I was a, a branding um, website designer, that whole thing, which is mm. great for eyes of like design, but terrible yeah. because all you see is just you want the perfection. You want to be able to see everything correctly. So I remember having to do some work around that for myself. I mean, let alone those who might just be coming into the space. They want their branding to be the best. They want this type of thing. Right. And, you know, something that even I had to change about myself slowly was that branding is important 100%, but so is actually getting clients and so is building your business. And yes. <laughs> it's one of those things people forget about or that I don't think is talked about enough is that branding, I think, is super important. I think it helps you feel, you know, more confident in what you do. However, if you don't have any clients coming in or you haven't made any efforts to get there on top of while you're developing that brand, it's not going to do much. Yeah. Who's going to see it, right? If you yeah. haven't been doing your marketing and, and, you know, and I, I can get so hung up, especially on web design, like yeah. one pixel over here, two pixels this way, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be all day rearranging things and you just need to just press go and you can always go back and, and edit and fix things. Right. And I always tell my clients that just, just press play or whatever it is. And then if you want and have time, you can go back and make adjustments, but let's just get it out. Yes, exactly. And I think one of the things that's great about this too is that when you start to slowly see that shift in your mind, it'll be a lot easier for you to focus on things that you actually need to do, um, like that make money. Because I find that what happens a lot of the times is that when we first start out, we kind of see all the like fun stuff, like the website design and branding and like, um, you know, setting up the business name and these type of things, which I, I love doing. Don't get me wrong. I could do that for hours. However, um, if you have your website done, who's going to who's going to be there? You know, it's, it's like yeah. having a pretty box and not being able to know what to do for it. Right. And a lot of times entrepreneurs will hide behind those back office tasks mm-hmm. because they're afraid to get visible. And so they'll go and busy themselves with designing their website and their emails and their Facebook cover header and all those things that we do to make ourselves be busy. And they're hiding in that work instead of going out networking or doing speaking gigs or getting on Facebook Live or whatever they need to do to increase their visibility. So you add that layer on top of it. That's also a bad recipe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd love to know too, then we'll move a little bit farther back to is what would you tell yourself just starting out? Like if you were just to go back to your first year or so in business, what would be something that you would tell yourself? I would tell myself to be very patient. Yeah. Uh, that it's a, it is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, you can certainly will make clients, but you know, it is very hard to, to reach, you know, a million dollars in the first year. And like all these crazy lofty things would come up when we first start your business. I would just say to myself, Jill, just be patient. 
and enjoy the journey. And uh, that's, that's what I would say to any entrepreneur just starting out as well. I love that because it's so true. I actually uh, created this podcast for the, the name of a female entrepreneur's journey because yeah. it's a journey. It's not, you know, once you hit that cap, whether it's whatever your cap is, whether it's 100000 a year, whatever it might be for you, life still goes on after that. Whether you write that book, whether you create that coaching program, life still happens after that. So I think exactly one of the best things you can do is learn. I think even Gary Vee talks about this is um, learning to enjoy the process you know, learning yeah, exactly. to, to, to enjoy what you do because I love, trust me, I love a good goal setting session. It's one of my favorite things to do because it's fun <laughs> to do big picture. But, you know, to worry so much about that and not like what you're doing day to day is just, it's, it's a nightmare. It is a mindset color, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that too, because I think what was interesting for the first year or so in my business is that you know, you're getting all these things done. You're learning. You're learning so many things. You're hearing so many different aspects or advice from people. You're like, okay, I'm ready for my first client. But are you actually? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, we have this idea that right when we open that uh, that for sale sign, or whenever we open that ready for business sign, whether it's online or not, like, okay, so where are my clients at? <laughs> where are yeah. they? Yeah, that that filled it and they will come that yeah. for that movie. I forget which movie that is. Yes. Um, apologies to my baseball fans. They're probably like, it's the Oh, Field um, of Dreams. Yes, Field of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, that doesn't work in just it does not work in business that <laughs> no. mentality. It might work for baseball fields, but not not in business. <laughs> yes, exactly. I even have a, a friend of mine who's a website designer and programmer. She doesn't even have a website of her own because she's so booked out with clients. And mm. that's the interesting part about this is that we kind of get caught up in that aspect of the the beauty, the design, the having all your boxes checked when in reality, it's not going to always look that way for every person. That's true. That's true. And it obviously that hasn't hindered her from getting business, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lesson. The web designer without a website still gets business. Exactly. Love it. So for anyone out there who's worried about not having a website correctly, you're, you're okay, I promise. You're in good shape. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, since we're talking a little bit now about kind of all the, pre- or all the past, I'd love to go into the present and speak a little bit about what you're currently working on to give the audience a little bit of taste on what they can look out for. Oh, awesome. Thank you for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So right now, all hands on deck, all uh, roads are leading to uh, my flagship program, which is called the Celestial Circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something I've wanted to create for years, and I've talked myself out of it. La, 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 you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. And I finally, in January this year, I was like, enough. I'm going to do this. If it fails, it fails. I, I don't care. Uh, but it has not failed so far so good, and I'm really <laughs> What's really cool about, and I'll explain what the program is in just a minute, but just a preface, what's really cool about this is this is the first time I have been totally, totally energized about a program that I've put together. I've always was a little, of course, I always had some energy, but yeah. this one is like every fiber, every you know, sign, everything is like, whoa, this is it, this is it. Uh, so what the Celestial Circle is, it's a monthly membership program. I know there's a lot of those out there. Um which makes it extremely affordable for entrepreneurs who can't invest 10K, 12K in a a mentor. And it's a lovely tribe of of like-minded entrepreneurs. And together we learn marketing. I have a monthly theme every month. This month we're learning Instagram. Um, And this includes a training module and prompts in the the private Facebook group. So they're always working on their Instagram assignments. It has Q&A calls. It has study hall, which is a time where we gather for two and a half hours Mm -hmm. 
uh, every month and we work on implement, an implementation because so many times entrepreneurs don't take time to market their own businesses. They, they don't tuck that time into their schedule. So in the celestial circle, they have this implementation time called study hall. We meet through zoom and we basically it's heads down. We do work, but yeah. because we're all there together, we get a lot done. Uh, so that's another aspect of the program. Yeah. I have lovely, lovely members in there. And so that's really, uh, that's my major focus for right now is to attract people into the celestial circle and uh, get this marketing help to people who need it uh, without them going into debt and getting getting the help they need because I, that is one of my big purposes here. Yeah, I love that. I also love the name of it. I love alliteration, so having the CC, I really enjoy. <laughs> I got lucky when I got married in many, many ways, but I got super lucky with the last name. I took my husband's last, husband last name, which is Celeste. Yes. And uh, I have used that in every way in my business, including the celestial circle. Yeah, that actually brings me into a really great um, – part that I love to ask every guest. So as I mentioned before, before I used to really love branding and really be in it. I still love branding to, uh, to this day, but I like to ask each guest when, you know, you started your business, um, how did you go about changing or ch- actually choosing your business name and the branding colors, like your color is purple. I wonder if there's a reason for that or the reason for um, all of these things for you. So the the purple, I'll answer that because that's the easiest question. Purple has been my favorite color since I was about nine. Mm-hmm. And then um, I also went to a college, and they're, they're, the college colors were purple, and it just purple just always appealed to me. So it's a purely, I guess, um, personal reason. Nothing, you know. I know, I, I know, like the graphic designers, like, oh, you're supposed to look at the psychology of color. I, I didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just love purple. Um, so there's that. And then uh, the celestial piece, as I mentioned, is a derivative of my last name. Um, and I thought when I, when I first started using Celestial, I thought, oh, this maybe people think this is hokey. But the results and the, and I'm sorry, the uh, feedback from my tribe has been, you know, they call themselves Celestial Ones and oh, they yeah. really kind of hung on and they really hang their hat. And then I could use stars and in my, um, in my branding. And, you know, I always say I'm kind of like your North Star, you know, leading you on your marketing journey. So I kind of throw in the Celestial theme sometimes. So it's been a lot of fun using that. So that was just kind of luck with the last name. (laughs) Um, But I also use butterflies in my marketing and the butterfly because on the cover of my book, and a lot of my graphics, uh, the butterfly is in honor of my dad. So when after he passed away, a butterfly um, was in a bush right outside my door, and it let me touch it let me touch it. Wow. The day after he passed away. And I just, my spiritual beliefs are that, you know, my father was somehow connected to that butterfly. So, um, so I use butterflies to uh, honor him. So those are sort of the brand pieces that I, at least the visual brand pieces that I use in my marketing. I love that. And I love, yes, I do believe for sure that when it comes to the, the name, you got a little bit <laughs> lucky on that one. <laughs> But I think it's true. I think when it comes to having those little pieces, like for you, the butterfly signifies your dad. I think for me, um, one of the biggest stories that I have for myself for life and also for my brand is that since both my mom and stepmom passed away before I was 17, before I graduated Mm. high school, I learned that, you know, time is short. And the thing Mm. is, is to capitalize on that and to really make life for what it is. So I find that when I talk to other people who have gone through something similar like that, losing a loved one or losing like a parent, it really helps shape them. And I love to see that you help incorporate it into your business as well. Oh, thank you. And I'm sorry about your, about your loss. We we learn a lot when we lose Mm -hmm. a parent, um, especially if we're, we're lucky to be close to them. 
And uh, it's always, every time I put a butterfly on a graphic, I always think of dad. So it's a really cool way to remember him. He'd be mortified, by the way, you know, the butterfly. <laughs> Couldn't you use like a manly soldier or something, you know, but that's what it is. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I love this. It was so great to hear all of your insight and your story. I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I love the celestial circle and how it's helping each person with marketing for, you know, whatever price tag they need, they can get it for that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. This was a great conversation, too. Yeah, thank you. And there you guys have it, folks. If you want to reach out to her, she's on the, for the actual free ebook that she's giving away is thatfirstclient.com. And then you can find her at, I think it's Jill Celeste everywhere else. That's correct. Awesome. Well, again, there you guys have it. I will talk to you all in the next episode and have a great week. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to The Female Entrepreneur's Journey with Danielle Clem. If you like our show and want to know more, check out the show notes to join in the Insiders Facebook group, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next week for another dose of business, branding, and everything in between. See you then.